You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Finn, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, another successful, fantastic weekend. You know, uh, we have a winning streak on our hands for our New York football giants. It is episode 185. It's actually a higher number than that. We restarted the count after the first season. Um, and this is the first Just Giants episode with a victory over the Eagles. My God. Believe that if you want or don't want, but that is the truth. This podcast started in 2017. Yeah, I think this podcast first came out on 8-track, I think the last time we, the uh, the Eagles, so. Which is why we had to restart the count, because that is obviously technology, so. (laughs) <laughs> we we went from Roman numerals to these new inventions called numbers. <laughs> so, <it's> great. <laughs> yeah, big weekend. My uh my Gators blow out Arkansas on Saturday. Uh fly home just in time to watch a a a, a victory over our hated rivals the Philadelphia Eagles. So super hated rivals. Yeah, fly Eagles fly. F you. Um yeah, it wasn't quite the 70 to 24 whatever that Florida game ended at, but you know, this was so there there was a, a lot of good things that came out of this game outside of just the obvious a win is a win is a win is a win. Um, you know, the Giants have been losing in fashion that that, that with the exception of one game has been about one score or close to one score, you know, 8 points, maybe 9 points, something like that. Um, very close, winnable games. And then when they've won games against Washington, I believe it's a one-point game the one time, and then most recently, uh, last week, was a three-point game. This was a ten-point victory. So, blowout? No. But at no point did the Philadelphia Eagles have the lead. At no point. And... um, the Giants were able to not only close the game, but distance themselves. I mean, this game was kind of over with about three minutes left in the game. Eagles never got out of their zone in the final five minutes, I don't think. I mean, there's there's like three stages to this. One is get rid of losers lose. You know, don't don't snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. The second thing is don't go to the finish line, you know, without any gas in the gas tank and just kind of coasting to the end, which we kind of did against Washington. Um, this one, we, we won. I mean, this was a game that we we finished. We closed. We won. There was no, we got lucky to win it. We're, we didn't survive. We didn't run off the clock. We won this game. And, you know, we're looking for signs of development and signs of, you know, a culture being formed and trying to reverse losers lose. And we're trying to, you know, establish something here. And this is another small step. I mean, okay, it's fantastic. We're a half a game out of first and it's fantastic. We beat a bitter rival and all that stuff, but we're looking at foundations for long-term development of this team. And this was a, a win they had to have this, you know, Philly is, 
you know, banged up, not playing well. Uh, we took it to him. Poorly coached. Oh, God. It sucks. But we actually won this game, and that was a very happy thing to see. Um, we'll get into all the details of how they are and trying to reverse not only losers lose, but silly narratives that 12-string Fox announcers were harping on all game. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to next for for the next game now, which is something I really haven't been for a very long time. For sure. Look, you know, I've been making the quasi joke for weeks now. The New York baby steps for this year with a new coaching staff with no off season stuff. You, you know, you're bringing in everything that's new that we were not going to see improvement right away. We weren't going to see a final product in the first couple weeks. You know, you never see it on week one, I don't think, on a normal year. I think by week three is when you really start to get an idea of what a team is going to be for the rest of the year in a normal year. And I knew that wasn't going to happen this year and that in a normal year with a new coaching staff, whatever, it's usually going to take until like week five, week six to see what's going to happen. This was going to be a baby step year. And so winning winning this game in a, in a fashion that was... You know, not in the closing seconds, like you said, not running out the clock, not getting a game-ending turnover like we did against Washington, where Logan Ryan and Jabril Peppers had interceptions on Washington drives to take the lead or tie the game. You know, this was a definitive win. It did not at all feel like uh, Philadelphia put put. You know, nobody was biting their nails in the final five minutes of this game, um, or at least I wasn't. That's a, that's a baby step thing from last week and the week before. But from week one, that is a giant leap. And that's what the baby steps thing is. This looks like an NFL team now that is ready to compete. They belong on the field with any team in the NFL. They have already risen to the challenge of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and brought that one down to the wire. That's not good enough, but... If it's not surrounded by any wins whatsoever, but now they've got wins, legitimate wins, not, oh, well, this one holding call, this one dropped pass could change the game. No. Or they ran, or the other team just ran out of time. Like yeah. they, you know, they had another 50 seconds on a drive. They could have won. Um, I, we're going to do this a little later in the show, but I, I think it brings, I want to bring it up now since you kind of segued into it a little bit. Giants right now, their record is three and seven. Is this a three and seven team? Or is this better than a three and seventeen? Never mind. Never mind the results. Never mind, you know, the, the final scores or, or this and that. Like how they've been playing over the last, let's say, let's say month. Let's so the last four games in. Is this a team that if you watched, you didn't know what their record was coming into those four games? Would you say this team was a three and seven team? Uh, you know, a seven and three team, a five and five team. What, what, what do you think well, this team so, is? So right the now? question here is: If the season started today, what would they be regarded as? Would they be feared by another team? You know, are, are the are they looked at as a team that would probably not win very many games, or are they actually people need to be in the film room and watching this team because they're winning games? That's kind of your question, right? Yeah, because yeah. So because say- we're, I'm going to dispel before anyone listening to this is like you are what your record says you are. Yes, we understand that, but. This week one Giants team is not this week ten Giants team. It's yeah, just I, not. 
Um, and where they are week 10, I think they're better than three and seven. Yes. I, I think that you are, what your record is, is also a little bit of bullshit too, because you know, there are teams that records are a little, not really indicative of what you are, you know, teams, how many times have we seen a team that in week 14 is struggling to get into the playoffs and then get on a run and win the Super Bowl? I can think of a couple that we follow very closely that did that exact same thing. Uh, it, it happens in, you know, in, in every sport it happens. I mean, last July, last August, the Washington Nationals were under 500 and they made a run and won the Super, the World Series. Uh, you know, they were a better team than what their record was at the time. We all knew it. Well, I mean, all, all things play into records. I mean, if you start the year in the NFL with a guy getting hurt in training camp, that's integral to your process. He gets hurt in preseason and now he can't get back in and into his groove until week eight. I mean, that's a huge hit to your record if he's that important. I mean, if it, if it's, if it's Tom Brady, you know what I mean? No team has a backup quarterback to Tom Brady that's ready to push them into the same caliber of offense that they would normally have. So, I mean, absolutely. There's all sorts of things that go into a record. The point is, is right now, this team is not looked at. Any any team, the Bengals have them next in week 12. The Giants have the week 11 bye. They are taking this team as seriously as they would any other team. There is nothing, you know, roster-wise... There are better teams in the NFL, and there's worse ones. They are probably looked at more like a four and five team, a five and four team, somewhere in there. Well, let me let's let me ask you the question then. So, the way this team has been playing, and based upon the remaining schedule they have left in their last five games coming up, is this team good enough to a win this division and b compete in that first round game because if it, if the season ended you know if, if they somehow win the division and they're the four seed they're probably going to have to play most likely tampa bay right now i think if the season ended now i mean or is it just well this team is the worst team to ever make the playoffs and they're going to be a complete embarrassment when they play uh, i mean do you think the league do, forget the gamblers forget the fans do you think you know the league like the you know the Opposing coaches, insiders, are they still thinking – are they going to go with the, the narrative of, uh, oh, my God, worst team ever, worst division ever? Or are they like, you know, based on how this defense is playing, you know, we're seeing better play out of Daniel Jones. We're seeing better play in the offensive line. We're seeing, you know, good work by special teams. Is it a team that is kind of out kicking its own coverage right now and could actually, you know – earn a spot into the playoffs as opposed to, well, someone has to be in it. The league, you mean? Not the TV shows? Yeah, not the TV shows. I I can answer that. That's a very easy question. Any team worth their salt in the playoffs doesn't take anybody. They they take the playoffs as seriously as anyone else. It's one game at a time in the playoffs. Every coach in that level. Not not the – let me change that. Not the team they're playing. Like Tampa Bay will – would treat them like a heart attack, you know, the seriousness of that. I'm talking about like real NFL players in uh, experts in the know, other GMs around the league, other team presidents, other scouts, other, you know, you name it, not guys that are trying to make hot takes. And they all, I think, think they already do. That. I think, I think GMs around the league, they are, they are not interested in anything other than keeping their own job. 
You know, that's that's their thing. So they have no hot take. They are not clowning on anybody. They scour the waiver wire for every team. I mean, the Jets are, are trading house, right? I mean, they're a dumpster fire. They're getting rid of talent. GMs know that there is talent on that team. There are things that go right for that team, even though they haven't won a game. GMs and scouts, they, they don't look at bullshit like that. They they are smarter than that. They are smarter than us. You know, you and I. They're not stupid. That's not hard. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yes, I, I think that people around the league regard any playoff team as um, as legitimate contenders no matter what. E- even, if, even if they're not Super Bowl contenders but enough to get an upset one week. I mean, the media may not like the Titans last year in, in, um, in, in the playoffs, and they may not like the Seahawks when they go up against the Saints in 2011 they, they or whatever. Yeah, they didn't, like, they didn't like the Titans making the playoffs, but all of a sudden they became the media darlings once they were in. It became the blow Derrick Henry story for three weeks. So, But again, I, my whole point of this whole thing is I'm trying to set – what a reasonable expectation and what a reasonable excitement level I should have for the present day. You know, this is not to say that, you know, we're done, you know, the development, you know, we're, we should go out and get a thousand free agents to get us over the hump from playoff team, the Super Bowl team. It's just, you know, you know, are we a, are we truly a, a three and seven team or are we playing better than a three and seven record indicates? And because, like I've said many times on this show, you know, the best way you can maintain development and, and a coaching staff to keep his team is to give them something legitimate to play for. And right now they are absolutely in the hunt. Th- there is no difference really right now than the players mentality for them trying to battle Philly as the Bucks are trying to battle New Orleans. Mm-hmm. They are both teams are in the exact same mindset of we want to win this division. And it doesn't really matter. They don't put the record on the banner they stick up there saying 2020 NFC East champions. They're playing – and when everything is – you're playing for something, again, you're going to pay more attention in, in the uh, you know, in, in, in the in the position room on Tuesday. You're going to pay more attention on film. You're going to make sure that attention to detail – you're not just playing for just your job anymore. You're playing to build something, and – that's all we could ask for. And as fans, we're along for the ride because now we're not flipping around aimlessly on Red Zone Channel on Sundays in late you know, November. We're watching this game with very vested interest. Absolutely. I mean, I'm spending all day Sunday watching football now. I mean, in, in the last couple of years, it's kind of like, ugh, whatever. Maybe it's on and I'm sort of paying attention, sort of eating food. But... Everything has implications now. And and to what you're saying, okay, so I think that right now there's a 50-50 shot that the Giants win the division. Um, and the reason I say that is there's a lot of things at play here. Right now, this team is still learning. They can take a step back at any time. That 49ers game is not that far back, even if it's far back in our minds. It's not that long ago where that team just did, decided not to show up that day. I don't know what happened. Um there's that. There's also the fact that this team is competing but has very little depth at certain positions, right? I mean, one injury can derail the rest of the season. That's just a fact. I mean, that is a thing that they're going to have to deal with. And they're already having to throw together some bullshit. You know, 
Hernandez gets COVID. Now Shane Lemieux has to come in. Now he's played well enough. He's played very well in the, in the run, but not so great in, in the passing game. And that's that's a fact. Now Kevin Zeitler had to leave the game against the Eagles with a concussion. Now you've got both in. Thankfully, in time for Hernandez to come back from COVID, but co- but but COVID, but Hernandez didn't start because he still has lingering symptoms. Probably shortness of breath. Probably, um, probably just you know he's not in game shape. You know, um, so now you've got both of them. Thankfully, we're going into the bye. But you know, this is a this is not a team that is ready to compete for a division, no matter the circumstance. That's not a thing. So there's a 50-50 shot that they win this division, in my opinion. They have, right now, the best shot, I would say, in the division to win it. Um, Philly seems like they're reeling. Dallas is is scouring uh, farm leagues for quarterbacks. Um, Washington's its own mess. <laughs> Washington is in the first year of a rebuild. Um, you can make sort of an argument that we are too, but at least there's pieces – for the Giants from the last couple of years. Well, I mean, I mean, they are they are completely in a rebuild. At least we have a quarterback in place. Whether you know, you think he's Joe Montana or Joe Schmo, at least he's making plays and he's not a negative on the field. Like, you know, for whatever reason, they have given up completely on Dwayne Haskins. He's out, and you know they are really starting over. Uh, to me, the biggest difference right now between the Giants and the Eagles is just strength of schedule the rest of the no, way. That's the last thing. The Giants do have a – I mean it's hard to say that any Zero. game is an easy game for this team. I mean do you do you go into any game with this Giants team and say this is this – is, I expect to win? Uh, not really, but I also look at the schedule and say – There are games that I feel more comfortable with. More, there are more likely we will lose. And I look at the team's schedule, I think there's more games – that Philly's more likely to lose than we are more likely to Correct. You know, put in, you know, how we do pencil and pen. I mean, there's much more on the Philly schedule. I mean, Philly has, you know, really quickly coming up, they're at Cleveland, they play Seattle, they play, they're at Green Bay, they play New Orleans, Arizona, you know, Dallas, and then Washington, where we have coming up, we have a bye, then we have at Cincinnati, at Seattle, Arizona, Browns, Ravens, Cowboys. I mean, they're they're both tough. I think theirs is a little tougher. And that difference between, you know, one game could probably decide it between these. I, I I'm just gonna throw this out there. I'm gonna be I I'm gonna be legitimately upset if this team doesn't make the playoffs because of Philly's stupid tie. Well, I think when they changed the rule, they went from 15 minutes to 10. I thought that was really stupid. I, I, I'm, I'm, again, ju- I'm just saying, no matter what the circumstances that led to that tie, I just, I'm just going to be yeah. pissed. I mean, the NFL has done a really bad job of changing rules for reasons that nobody asked for. You know, shortening over time, nobody asked for that. The dumbest rule possible, I think, what they did was making um, an extra point kick 15 yards. I mean, the whole purpose of the extra point being short is it's supposed to be making the coaches make a decision. Do you want the guaranteed one point or do you want to be, you want to kind of challenge it and go for two? If you're making it harder to kick an extra point, then there's, that's not really a decision anymore. So I understand why they did that. It's, it's stupid. Well, we can go right into that. Doug Peterson, um, yeah. big dumb idiot or what? 
you dumb idiot. Yeah, there is no. I, I don't even know what the or what is. I have so, never liked. So I, I don't really have a problem with going for two all the time. Uh, if you have some juggernaut offense, I mean, if you're if you are coaching the New Orleans Saints, do you have a problem with going for two often? No. If I mean, me either. I mean, you have Drew. Br- I mean, oftentimes I when I watch Saints games, the, the the problem with you know the chart for example, is it, it's completely takes out the element of what's happening in that game right now. Mm-hmm. The yeah. chart just says, well, if you're down by, you know, you're down by 11, fourth quarter, you go for two or whatever, the, you know, the, the different, but it doesn't factor in, we've run for one yard a game in this game, yeah. or my quarterback is wildly inaccurate, or my right tackle is out, or any of those factors. It's just a static chart. And part of coaching and this is for all those who know me, you know, I'm obviously a huge Tampa Bay Rays fan and you, everybody's making, you know, still talking about the decision to take out Blake Snell in game six of the World Series. You know, their charts and their, you know, their decision making is he doesn't want a starting pitcher to go see a batting order a third time around. That doesn't take into account at all the present tense, the present situation. Is this guy striking out 11 guys? Is this guy, you know, 14 or 15 batters throwing first ball strike? Is he getting ground balls? Is he doing this? Is his velocity up? All it is, it says, this is our philosophy. This is what we're doing. And it doesn't, it's ruining games. And it's also, it's up for second judgment. It's not coaching. It's just filling in things. So, you know, just to say, well, they normally do what or the thing says it. It's just when you're not reading the room and you're not reading the game, that's bad coaching. You're just you're over coaching. You think it too fucking hard. I mean, it, yeah. In my opinion, if you're if you scored a touchdown, that doesn't necessarily mean that your offense is working. I mean, in this game, Boston Scott took a run to the house for like I don't know sixty plus yards or something like that. That doesn't mean that your running game is working. It means that a play worked. I mean, that's a bad example, I guess, because Philly's running game was actually working pretty well. But, you know, it's all dependent on who you are and what you are. Philly's offense this year stinks. I mean, it's bad. And it's not their fault. It's not their fault. I mean, you know, Deshaun Jackson's out, and, you know, you're missing half of your offensive line. But that's the reality that you're in. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. You are not an offensive juggernaut, and they weren't in this game. And going for two all the time is dumb. You're not you're not great because you ran a trick play in the Super Bowl. You're not especially great because you you won the Super Bowl with your backup quarterback, who's arguably better than your current one. But he's also not on your team anymore, and he hasn't been for several years. I mean, Doug Peterson is going to always have you know on his Wikipedia page. Super Bowl winning coach. That's fine, and I'm not trying to take that away from you. But but that doesn't, you know, doesn't change the price of tea in China in this game in on that fourth down decision. And you know, and we want to talk about this because we also want to compare this to Joe Judge, where a lot of people were giving us grief for trying to do the, um, you know, there's a fourth down play, and we were trying to get you know get a false start, and then we just punted, and, and you know after. Really scored, it's like, well, that's why you should go for it in that spot. No, it's about reading the room. And Joe Judge read the room that, you know, this Philly offense isn't doing much. And with a lead, the move is to make them earn. 
their yards, make them earn their points. And we had this discussion last week about, and, and two weeks ago, that the worst thing you can do is give a team that's down by at least one score, maybe two, easy points to get we back. Did, this was the pregame. That was the pregame episode we did. It was giving yeah. up the chunk plays. It was a, it was a problem. A it's plays. why we lost against Philly outside of the Ingram drop. And guess what? If you, in that situation, on fourth down, you know, okay, you want to get cute and try to draw them off sides, you know, do it. I mean, it's silly. It should never, ever, ever work. It normally never works. But, okay, fine. But you have a lead. You punt. Worst case scenario is it goes in the end zone. They get the ball on the 20. But if you don't get it there, you're giving a team an extra 25 yards or so. That's a chunk play. That's 25 yards they didn't earn. And for a team that's losing, that's starting to fight the clock, have, you know, fight, is fighting against it, giving them anything it's is a momentum not smart too. football. It's yeah, it's not smart football. Um, so let's 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 dive into the game finally here. We're we're, we're talking about all sorts of stuff here. The Giants won twenty seven seventeen against the Eagles. Like I said earlier, they never gave up the lead at any point. They they scored on their opening drive. Second time this year. That was good. It was a good drive. The first play was brutal, but um, after opening up the drive with a sack, they marched down the field, scored seven points. It was it was a good drive, um, and they never looked back, ever. Uh, that's good. So where am I going to give my fart? I'm going to give my first fart to specifically the fourth down hard counts. Not in theory, but the way they were run. Um, we ran them, I think, three times. Um I'm okay with I'm, – I'm more than okay. I've actually been advocating for this for years before – if this predates the, the podcast. Um, the first time that the Giants lined up was fourth and one, I think, uh, on the plus side of the field. And when they lined up, the Eagles were legitimately confused in the backfield. There were receivers with nobody covering them. They were scrambling to get guys covered. But you know why that doesn't matter? Because we didn't have a play. That wasn't a play. That was just a, a fake. You can't do – you go up there with the hard count, whatever, but have a play ready. I mean we're just moving guys and doing fake motion. That's bullshit. That's not what anybody's asking for. You go it's up there with a play. It's just not – it's not – you know. I mean there's there, there's no correlation. It's not even um, – it's not even synchronized. I mean, you have issues where Jones is doing the hard count and Nick Gates is pointing out protection. It doesn't look like anybody is on the same it, – it's clearly fake. It's clearly fake. And it kind of almost worked that first time. But then we did it two more fucking times, the exact same shit, the same thing. No play whatsoever, just random motion. You know, you have it, – it, none of the motion looks legitimate. It doesn't – I mean, I appreciate the effort, right? I mean, it still could have worked. Any hard count can work. Um, but there has to be an actual play call. And you know what? We're faking it so fucking much, we never go for it. If you're playing a poker game and you notice that this dude bluffs only, you're not going to fall for it anymore. I mean, it, it, there should have been a play in the huddle. I mean, he should be able to read the defense and find some weak point, especially on fourth and one. So that first punt... I kind of agree, because if there was a legit play call there, that was an easy first down. But we went up there with nothing. We went up there with nothing. That's that is punting. I mean, right there, just just punt. Um, I will say, you know, depending on where you're on the field, you take the delay a game actually puts you in a better punting situation. 
So, you know, where you're punting from, you might be too close, might be too difficult for, you know, pinning them deep. You might kind of want to go backwards five more yards. That's fine. Um, in theory, I'm okay with it. I think the Giants' execution in the fourth down hard counts in this game were pretty pathetic, especially that first one where there was opportunity to actually get that first down if there was any play whatsoever called. Or if, I mean, it appears that Daniel Jones has no authority to call a play there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, to me, it's it's about playing your game, you know, that again gets back into our thing about coaching and overcoaching too much. It's well, you know, don't try to outthink the other team so much on something. Play the game. Get the if you really want to get get that get the fourth down, get the one yard. Or if not, just play this play the smart way and and just and just punt it. I mean, again, taking the delay game, you're right. That helps with with the the angle and stuff and, and the value for doing it. That's fine. But just you know, if you're going to do something, you should always do something like you mean it. And, you know, that's kind of it because it's very obvious, you know, the the other team, they got smart coaches, too, and they have smart players on the field. and They can sense when something's bullshit and something is real. And they they know time and place. They know it's fourth and one. They know, you know, if they're going to go for it, and they don't see the right personnel or something they've been preparing for. You know, we can see it on our couch knowing they're not really serious. You damn well sure they know it as well. I mean, it, it was it was pathetic. That's that's my biggest fart of the of the game there. Um, but I want to flip to a positive. I'm not going to go to a star yet, but an honorable mention to Riley Dixon, 71 yard punt down inside the 10. He was money this game. I mean, he was good. Um, I, I don't think that it warranted a star. I, I don't know. Do you think that's a star performance for him? He did. I mean, everything a punter should do. He didn't have to punt. This wasn't a field position game, I didn't feel like. But well, that's not we, really his can fault. Can we just it? give special teams as a whole yes. a star? You know what? That's I mean, fair. Yeah, Jabril Peppers was good returning the ball. You know, our kickoffs were good. You know, we were doing some pooch kicks in there. Everything was short. Philly never had good starting field position throughout the entire game. Um, it's attention to detail, and that's, you know, one of the things we kind of said in the very beginning, like half-jokingly, half-seriously, oh, with Joe Judge – you know, special teams will be better, and guess what? It actually is. They are better, you know? I mean, they're doing, you know, it's it's not flashy. You're not seeing block punts, or you're not seeing 90-yard punt returns for touchdowns, but you need that unit to be solid. You know, first and foremost, it can't be a negative. You can't have, you know, your own punts getting blocked. You can't have an, you know, an unreliable kicker. You can't have punters who shank balls. You can't have kickoffs that are go out of bounds, you know, just little things that, you know, they change the, you know, the Giants aren't good enough offensively to give other teams, you know, starting field position, any extra yards than they have where we're not going to win any shootouts. That's pretty much established right now. So why give them any extra, you know, no, I mean, well, I mean, even if you are good enough, you should be, even if you are good enough, they should be this good on specialty. I mean, that's something that every team should be right. paying attention to, but it's right. all the more important when you are not going to be winning any shootouts. You're right. So I, I think we, I think we give the whole, all the um, special teams from the coordinator on down. Yeah. Um, well that, that ruins my other star, Graham Gano. Um, well, I'm not giving ever giving of a Noel a star, so that's why I well, kind of rolled. You better get used to him. He just signed after the game a contract 
contract extension through 2023. What, what do we think about that? I think it was brilliant. I mean, he has been... He's been near perfect. He has one miss on the year. I believe it was from far away. I don't fucking remember. Um, but you know, okay, okay. Let's start with that, and then we'll get into the game. Uh, what's the need? What's what was the need to do it right then and there? I guess. I mean, well, I mean, I think they were in the works. You know what I mean? He signed it after the game, and it became official. But th- these negotiations have been going on for at least a week, probably more. I guess. I mean, does it seem a little unusual that you know, mid-season like that, where you know. A random player that um, they were well, signing. Here's the thing. Number one is, let's say going into the offseason, do you want to replace him or are you good keeping him? Do you want? Is there a kicker out there that you would rather have that's going to be a free agent? Because I don't think so. No, no. So, I mean, for me, the reason you do this now is um, this is a team that I think this is a weird year, right? So they're they're technically division contenders right now for a division champion. But I think next year actually is a division champion contender. If you put in the right pieces and they give you give them the the whole spiel, you know, right? The whole offseason and Daniel Jones with Jason Garrett thing. But you get you get some more pieces for this team with this coaching staff, I think they are a legit division contender. I don't want to waste a moment of my time in the offseason dealing with a kicker that I wanted way back when. So I think it's fine. Uh, it's a little weird, but I mean, it's in no way negative, I don't think. I mean, I guess other than he's a seminal. He was definitely a free agent after the season, correct? This is not an yes, extension. He, he was, he, um, yes, he signed He signed a one-year contract. So he was going to be an un, uh, a, a free agent at the end of the year. And I guess my, my next question then is, what what does that mean for any sort of salary cap? So does that count against next year's cap or do they signing him now have any impact on this year's cap? I mean, it's technically a contract that starts at the beginning of next. It depends on how it's broken NFL down here, right? It depends on how it's broken down. Um, I, I don't know that the details have been released, but as of right now, I'm looking at it on spot track and his, um, his salary for this year has not changed. Um, it can, it all depends on how they, they work it. But it's a three-year, $14 million contract with $9.5 million guaranteed. So that puts his average annual at about $4.6 um, Does that seem a little high for a kicker? Um, it's on the high end, probably. I mean, um, he's probably kicking right now in the upper quarter of the league, I'd say, I right? I would say definitely in the upper quarter. I think you could put him right outside of five, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, Justin Tucker, I think, is probably head and shoulders above oh, whoever. And, and, for, and for the record, I am not complaining about this or criticizing. No, no, no. It's, it's a worthy it's, discussion. It's just, it's just interesting when you you very, very rarely in the NFL or really any sport in the middle of a, a season, much less like 20 minutes after a game is over, announced we've re-signed a guy. Yeah. I, mean, it's, it's, I it's, think it's, that it's, was it's, just funny it's an interesting timing. Move for, it's also a very interesting move for the kicker. It's like, you know – if he continues to kick, you know, as well as he has been, his value on the open market's going up and up and up and up. And, you know, let's be frank. You know, we're having all this playoff talk and we're all excited. This is not a very good team still. And, you know. Well, here's the thing. Kicker is a very interesting position in the NFL. And I, I think kickers, unlike other football players, just want to have a, a home. Because it's, it's a – well, I mean, I mean that legitimately. It's a, it is a position that is not forgiving. 
And also, I think where talent drops off very suddenly. I mean, you start getting three misses in a row and you're cut. Yeah, and, I, mean, and, and it's, I mean, it's probably the most of any position in in the league where your performance, immediate performance, directly impacts your livelihood. Here's a kickoff return for a touchdown. Chicago. I um, You know, and it's another one where, where confidence plays so much into it. I mean... If if the perception is that you've lost it, it almost seems to just become self fulfilling prophecy. They yeah. lose it because they think they've lost it. Um, it's very rare that you get a Robbie Gold who has a struggling season, gets cut by his team, and then he is right back up to form. Um, you know, I, I I think kickers more than most other positions they want security. They they are not interested in being the highest paid kicker as much as the highest paid wide receiver. They're not as interested in their open market value or if they can, you know, just keep kicking here, you know? So it's I, a different position. Like it's like you're a member of a team, but you're not, you know, you know, you don't go through the normal grueling cadence that you do in an off season or, you know, it, it, you're kind of on the side, just doing your thing. You do one thing, you kick. So it's, it's a, it's a unique role on a team. Yeah, I think yeah. So I think it's not as strange for the kicker as it would be, you know, any other position. Maybe maybe punter is the same way, where you're just kind of looking for security. Uh, especially you know he's he's like more of an adult. You know what I mean? Like he's he's over thirty. I think he's like thirty two, thirty three. So he's he's like my age. He's thinking a little bit more like I've only got so many years left in this. I'm offered this contract. Why the hell not? You know what am I gonna? I, yeah. I, I mean you know. I think he's he's at a different point in his life than say a twenty three year old kicker would be. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. But either way, for this game, star. Um, why do I say that? Well, for starters, it was super fucking windy in that game, real windy, and he booted. He was the last two scores that the Giants had, two field goals in that in, in the game were in the closing quarter there. Um, one was from 35 yards and was just in there, but it was really windy. And then another one from 44 yards. They were, in my opinion, pressure kicks. I mean, those were drives that needed to end in points based on the flow of the game there. Philadelphia scored 14 points in the third quarter, and while they were still behind, distancing themselves changes everything. Gano making those field goals allows the defense can sit back a little bit. There's not as much pressure on the defense once you kick the ball back off. Those were money kicks when they needed to be money kicks. He's been money all fucking year, and uh, it's about time I give him a star. I know you don't want to give him a star, then he gets your complimentary special teams one. Yeah, he gets wrapped into the overall of uh, of special teams. That's fine. <laughs> um, did you have any other stars? Um, not nothing really specific for stars. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, it's a game they had to win and they just, you know, they played, they played pretty clean. I mean, how many penalties did we have? Not very many. Philadelphia was the one that was shooting themselves in the foot. Their only yeah. third down conversion of the night came on a Darnay Holmes defensive pass interference, which was a good call, but wasn't. It was not an egregious call either. I mean, it was one that if it wasn't flagged, I don't think anyone would have lost their minds. So I, mean, I think, I think I want to give this, this the coaching staff just as a whole a star. I I, I really, 
you know, we are now in week week ten. That was, right that now. was week ten, yeah. That was week ten, and we have not know, again, had a single game where there was a lot of penalties. Yeah, I mean, this team looks like each week it is prepared. It looks um, there looks as fundamentally sound as you could be without an off season, you know, and implementing a whole new coaching staff and uh, new things. I mean, I, I have to say that you know, this season could have gone one of two ways. It could have gone very bad, very early and gone south. And this, this looks like a football team. I mean, this is, you know, we know what their place is in the NFL universe right now, but they look like a team that knows what they're doing and knows what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's missing talent. Sure. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, um, and it's missing where there is talent. It's missing experience and it's missing reps and it's missing hair on their chin. I mean, you know, we can't make a decision on Daniel Jones yet because we doesn't he doesn't have the miles on his tires yet. You know, we do know that, you know, he needs better weapons to throw to and running the ball and probably blocking. But for what we have out there, I think this coaching staff is maximizing what they have for right now. And that you're getting full buy in. You're getting a team that's playing hard for him. And I think that's on the coaching staff. I mean, I. This is a young guy, Joe Judge, who came in who didn't have a real pedigree in the league. And, you know, to command, you know, this team from day one in the hardest of conditions, you know, through a, you know, a Zoom call and not having a guy yelling in your face in in March and April. This is the best case scenario. You know, it's too bad that they've lost. They've had some losers lose. And, you know, the record may not indicate what it is, but... You know, for where we are right now, I, I mean, if anybody who's calling and doesn't think this coaching staff's doing a good job or, you know, is complaining about Judge or, you know, I, I don't know what your what your expectations are or what you're looking at. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. I, I, I think that the fact that they have, you know, forget forget the rest of the division, the fact that he has them every week playing like they're playing. I mean, even the games we've lost – have been by just a couple of points outside of one game. He's got them paying attention. He's got them hungry, wanting to win. You know, nobody seems to be taking any plays off. Nobody. Um, this is a real coaching personality, it looks like. This is a guy who was born to teach, not do, probably. And I, I like to, you know, we made fun of him for years with Dallas, but Jason Garrett, I think... I think he's doing a really, really good job this year. I think that, you know, given this, the task, yeah, given the task at hand, I don't think what we're trying to do is above the pay grade of any of the players on this team right now. I think he understands, you know, the limitations of the, you know, the talent on the outside, the talent that's on the line, and Daniel Jones's you know, deficiencies for right now. And I think they're crafting a pretty good offense for what they can do. I mean. It's not going to score 40 points and get 600 yards a game, but they are starting to do, you know, the things that Daniel Jones does well. He can move around a little bit. He can run. He's a threat to run the ball, and uh, which leads me to a real fart. I hate to sound like a broken record, but you know, a battle of teams with two wins is probably going to get the seventh team Fox announcers, and. We had improv night at the, you know, paha hole with these announcers Sunday. You know, 
to bring up four times the Daniel Jones, you know, stumbling run against Philly, you know, to break it down multiple times in a game when it's completely irrelevant for this game and really has got nothing to do with what Daniel Jones has done as a runner this year. It's, 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 it's almost embarrassing at this point. You know, Fox is awful. I mean, they, they even like from the top down, I mean, Joe Buck is decent, but Troy Aikman blows as the number one analyst and all these guys, they all sound the same. They have that same annoying voice. And Chris Spielman is useless. I, I don't know. I'm sure if we threw the grump on there to do commentary, he'd do a better job than Spielman. I mean, I, I, so Spielman to me is, um, he's just trying too hard. I think he's just trying too hard. I think he actually is pretty good at analyzing plays very quickly. He just doesn't do it enough, and he's trying too much to be likable, um, and he makes real bad jokes. Yeah, it's just that Fox guy talk humor. It's just trying to be funny and trying to be, you know, it's the, hey, if you bellied up to a bar on a Sunday, these are the guys you want to hang out with. It's like, first of all, I don't want to hang out with those fucking people. And second of all, I'm not here for comedy. I'm not yeah, here for I'm not jokes. here for the act. I'm here for the product on the TV. If you're not going to give me insight into what's happening that I can't tell because I only have the one camera view, then yeah. you are just making noise while I'm trying to watch. I mean, to go off repeatedly about that, that, that stumbling play when the play of the game was Daniel Jones running you know, for, for 40 yards for a touchdown, it just makes it seem – it seems like everything is just forced and preplanned and not you know, actually analyzing the game they're watching. So as usual, announcers get a fart, and I guess the only – Remedy for that is for the Giants just to get better, so we don't get the dregs of the announcing crews. And yeah, we, start we, getting, we can we can elevate ourselves to Troy Aikman. We can we, we at least can get like a Kenny Albert game or something. Yeah. You know, somebody that's, who's worthwhile. Um, so that leads me to my my star. I, I'm split decision on this star here. If I if I want to give it to Bradbury, who pitched another shutout, um, you know, he didn't pitch a shutout. I think there was like one completion, but you know. For whatever reason, you know, as we we talked about good coaching uh, from Joe Judge and and Jason Garrett, and you know we didn't mention him, but Patrick Graham again, always doing well, has not has not really put together a game that I thought was bad. Um, it doesn't look like the Eagles watched any of the game film. I don't think they did as much <laughs> game watching as I did looking back to the last game they played because they tried all the same bullshit, and it didn't. I mean, I don't know why they continued to to tag Bradbury. I mean, he's he. Nobody is open. I mean, Bradbury also did some great play. I mean, they had a pick play. I mean, this was actually diagnosed by Spielman. This was this was a good pickup by him in the moment too, very quickly. He played over the top of the pick and played through it. it was beautiful. I mean, that is that's top tier corner level. This isn't the best corner on the team. This isn't CB one. That's really in the top three, four corners in the league. Play things like that, and that's not an exaggeration. That was an excellent play. I mean, they targeted him on fourth fucking down. On fourth and ten, you're going to throw at James Bradbury? Get the hell out of here. And he was, he's, he could be in the argument for, I would say it's, I, I don't think it's even debatable that he's in the top ten in the league right now, at corner. I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, an excellent game. But on the flip side, I do kind of want to show some level of love to Daniel Jones for this game. No turnovers again. And that's that's a low bar. But I mean, it's important to remember that Tom Brady throws interceptions. You know, it, a turnover is not a turnover. It, it everyone needs to be taken individually. But no turnovers. There's still no turnovers. Twenty-one of twenty-eight. 
with a 64 uh, 64 yards on the ground with a rushing touchdown, almost two rushing touchdowns. One was called back to a holding penalty. Um, 244 yards in the air. He made the right reads. He took sacks when he needed to take sacks. There wasn't a whole lot of goof. I mean, I couldn't really find a flaw in this game. He didn't blow me away with his numbers, but I, I, you know, I watched the game. Then I rewatched the game, and I didn't really see. There's, I think, one play where I really wish he just threw it away, and instead he took the sack. Still a good option. I mean, let's, you know, from what we've seen from his first twenty plus games, he's not going to have the same trajectory and probably not the same ceiling as his peers, guys drafted, you know in his class and like the preceding immediate class. I mean, he's not, he's not going to be a superstar. He doesn't have the flash to, to do that, but you know, he's accurate. He's smart. You know, if he just, you know, if he just learns to not force things and just, you know, better ball handling, you know, and he, he'll be just fine. He'll be a, a solid starting quarterback in this league. And, Solid quarterbacks in this league, you know, he, if he's like a Joe Flacco, you know, those guys win Super Bowls too, and they get in the playoffs every year. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I watched this game. I couldn't find a reason not to give him a star, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he did his job, and you know, if we're just if he's just kind of there, and we're not really talking about things he made a mistake, that's that's a win at, at this point in your career in a game that didn't require, you know a heroic effort to win. You know, he didn't have to put his, the game on his shoulders to win. He didn't have to make a third down play. He didn't have to, you know, okay, there's, we're down 15 with three minutes. You got to engineer a quick drive and get the ball back and do something heroic. He just, you know, for what we are right now, this is, this will do. And yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. On the flip side, I will say, you know, I'm, I'm, sitting here telling you that Patrick Graham hasn't called a bad game, but for this game he played, I think, based on what Philadelphia did last week, and that was really worrying more about the pass than the run. Which I'm not going to tell you is a mistake, because they won by two scores. Um, But that really put a damper on the run defense. I mean, we are without um, Tay Crowder in the back, who I think is a little bit more balanced as a pass and run defender at linebacker. But with Miles Sanders coming back, I, I think it's a little – maybe he overplayed the pass a little because 152 yards on the ground is brutal. It, I mean, they, they, the Eagles straight up – there's no arguments here. They ran all over us. Um, that's fine if the game plan was to eliminate what happened last time where in the, in the closing you know, 15 – 20 minutes of that game, Wentz was just kind of throwing like a maniac and we couldn't figure out how to stop it. That's fine if you want to prevent against that. And that worked. But going forward, that can't be our strategy every game because, you know, we've got we've got some good defensive linemen up there, but we don't have, outside of Blake Martinez, we don't have a great set of linebackers right now. So, you know, I, I have to give a fart to the run defense. You know, the guys up front really didn't get it done in the run game. They just kind of didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, they had their plays here and there, but Boston Scott ripped off a huge run. Uh, you know, Miles Sanders was averaging something ridiculous, five and a half yards per carry. No, that's not good on fifteen carries. That's, that's bad. Per- no, that's not good. That's college yeah. numbers. Yeah, 
That's 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 very bad. And on top of that, I'm going to give another fart to somebody who probably shouldn't be playing right now, but Trent Harris is just not very good. Um, he's playing because Lorenzo Carter has a ruptured Achilles, I believe. Um, and O'Shane Ziminis is out on IR with a shoulder thing. I mean, now we're going down to third-level outside linebacker. That's not going to cut it. Sounds like somebody's dying behind you. It's That's my upstairs person. Just got people <laughs> over. Yeah, so th- those were my farts for the game. I don't know if you've got any more, anything else you got gripe on your gripe list. Uh, no, not really. I mean, you know, there was not really that much to gripe about in this game. You know, um, some games you worry more about the little things than others. I think this is one of those games where we needed a win badly. I mean, forget the playoffs. No, that's fantastic what happens, but you have got to get that losing streak against Philly off, off the schneid. You have to beat them. You know, it's just, you don't want that hanging over your head for another year. You don't want that narrative, you know, when you play them, it's, it's, it's distracting. It's questions, you know, that it's not relevant to this staff and these players because most of them are not around for the entire length of that losing streak. So it's important to get it done. So, you know, when you win a game like this, some of it you let slide for what's a fart or something. Um, I think. I think the uh, the break is coming at the perfect time for this team. I, I, I think they need to kind of, you know, maybe it's a good time to just rest up, recuperate, coaching staff to kind of start evaluating what's been working, what's not been working. Uh, and you might see some, you know, a little bit of wrinkles when they come back and play Cincinnati in, uh, you know, in 13 days. Yeah, and, and they, they get some rest. They're hopefully going to get some people back. In speaking of people back, there's all sorts of secondary news here. So we'll start with uh, the non-giant news, and that is DeAndre Baker, no longer a giant, but also no longer in in prison. Um, this morning, Monday morning, it was reported that all charges against him were dropped and that the attorney, whose name is escaping me because I'm not going to make him famous because fuck that guy, but the attorney <laughs> representing three of the four alleged victims – was arrested for extorting DeAndre Baker. So there you have it. All charges against DeAndre Baker were dropped. He's been exonerated, um, at least of the accusation um, in the public opinion. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that it didn't happen. Um, It means that the district attorney doesn't think that he's got a case. Right. Right? So what does that mean? It means that he can play football. He is a free agent right now. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's good for him. Um, in terms of petty shit and, um, you know, hypotheticals and things that, you know, I think people on Twitter like to argue about more than people in NFL offices is that Dave Gettleman gets that off his back. I mean, the argument has been back and forth all along and I've been having it with a lot of people because I'm legitimate in my search for any criminal red flags for him and I make a very very separate distinct um, you know set of circumstances for guys who have work ethic red flags and guys who have criminal red flags and there's a very big reason for that one is that one makes you look bad right having a guy on your team you don't care that he's a criminal you don't care that Antonio Brown's on your team or Tyreek Hill or Joe Mixon or any of these scumbags 
then okay, then you just admit to us that you don't give a shit about anything except winning, and that's you know that is what it is. You want to pretend to be class of the league, then you can't have guys like that on your on your staff on your payroll. The other thing is guys like that they can be gone for ten years very quickly in overnight, you know. Um, whereas a guy who's got an attention span problem, maybe he just needs the right coach, or maybe college was too easy for him, so he took shit off. You know, those are potentially correctable, and you know, you judge those based on your conversations with him, based on your coaching staff, and if you think you can rein him in. You know, and I'm not saying that all of those are are boilerplate, but they're they're case by case basis as well. I just make that big distinction, and as far as I've seen, there's been no. He has no criminal record, period. There have been, as far as I understand, no criminal or anything of the sort incidents at Georgia when he was there. Um, and there was this rush to kind of, you know, paint that those two lines together, right, with a, with a roller and just blur it and make it look like Dave Gettleman made a a move he knew he knew all about this and he still traded up to draft him anyway and now look where they are it was a different story and now it turns out that he's not going to be in prison at all so i think it does take a little bit of the public or at least it should take a little bit of the public outcry for Dave Gettleman on this particular move off of his shoulders well, I have two counters against that argument. Now, everybody knows that I am—I'm not a Dave Gettleman apologist, but I'm also I'm trying good. to be very fair. Exactly, to and but I'm so the same I'm way. Say, I'm just trying sure. to be real about that. Right. But what I'm going to say are two things. One, you alluded to it already. Just because he's been exonerated in the courts and he will not be going to trial, doesn't mean what was alleged didn't happen. And that's one thing. And two, if we want to exonerate Dave Gettleman and because he wasn't a bad picking or anything, why'd they cut him? I mean, you know, they, you know, they, they, there's no league mandate that they had to cut him. I mean, they could have put him on the exemplist, yeah. Unable to, the exemplist or something and, 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 you know, just stashed him away because, again, we have a problem in the secondary. We need bodies and, no, nobody knew how this was going to turn out. You know, this could have been something where they pled out a deal, it got thrown out, it didn't happen, or he, you know, went through trial and everything. So, you know, if it, if we really want to give Gettleman the full exoneration, um, he should have kept him because if, and Nicky did it. So. It, we, we can say we can we can we can forgive we can. Ign- we can ignore now the they drafted a risk, but something was there was enough information to say cut him. Not maybe not knowing how it was going to turn out legally, but enough information that they they went ahead and cut him. So, okay, so um, there's a couple things in that, and that you know they drafted a risk, but I don't think they drafted a criminal risk. What happened to him was unfortunate, but also kind of his own fault. I mean, let's just say for argument's sake that what really went down is that he went to a party, was gambling, won, and those people didn't want to pay up, so he left or whatever, and then they brought all these faulty charges on him, you know, whatever. Um, Let's just say that's, for instance... It's still his fault for being there. 
it's still his fault for being around people that are shitty. You know, it, it sounds harsh, but it's kind of the truth of being young and having a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, it's also, it's just bad. I mean, again, I go out, you go out, we do something. It's very rare that we're in a situation where cops are involved and all this situation happens. He put himself in a, in a position. He put so, himself in a position to get himself hurt. Yeah. We don't know. We will never know what exactly happened. We'll never know what he's responsible for. We'll never know what he actually did, but there's a lot of smoke around what happened. And again, you know, I it's think Florida. Yeah, that's true. But I, I really think that, you know, Gettleman made the decision to move on because of the smoke. And I don't think it was just smoke, you know, from you know, without a fire. There was something going on that they said, you know, something, this isn't worth it. I mean, here's what I'm going to say about that. I don't think it was solely Gettleman that got I, – I think that this was a conference that he had. First of all, most roster things like that are coach oh. decisions, you know, the 53-man the roster. But I think that for this particular one where you have a first-round draft pick who's in a unique set of circumstances where he's got criminal charges pending, he says he doesn't do it, his attorneys say that he's, he didn't do it, whatever. I think at this point you sit down with your head coach who's a new head coach and you say – what do you think we should do? And they work it out together. And well, I, I think, think, and I think the third person is John Mara. I mean, sure. Well, yeah. We we've had a little bit of a uh, an image problem lately with uh, acting late when there are you know criminal issues bad at faith. hand. Yeah. I mean, straight up, straight up. I don't want to rehash this, but signing Josh Brown after incidents happen and you know about them is acting in bad faith. That's not acting late. Well, the Rosas thing, I mean, that kind of lingered. Yeah. Well, that that's acting late. But signing yeah. Josh Brown to a contract extension after incidents happen and nobody else knows about it, that's acting in bad faith, hoping that nobody knows about it. Yeah, um, but, but regardless, all that is bad public, uh, publicity and bad for a team for a team that, you know, likes to pride itself as, you know, one of the old guards and, you know, right up there with the Steelers of, you know, how they do things the right way and blah, 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 blah. So you know, a decision like that, you know, we don't know if John Mayer was in the room, had a say in it or the final say in it. But, you know, the bottom line is he was released. And before before due process took its course. Yeah. So, um, and you know what? I say all these things, but ultimately, I don't know that DeAndre Baker would have fit well into a Joe Judge locker room. I think he is exactly the kind of guy that that doesn't respond to that kind of coaching. You know, I think that he he would have played his skill set works better for Patrick Graham's defense. I think he would have performed better. But I mean, those character issues that he does undeniably have by me that I don't think I would have traded up for. Um, you know, but he to was not there. Com- but, I mean, but what would happen with was past his prologue? He was on the roster, so you know, yeah. whatever happened. Well, I mean, before, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know. Cutting him, I, pretend all those things don't happen and that he just shows up this year. I think, you know, maybe down the line, cutting him was coming anyway. You know, not this year, but, you know, maybe. Joe Judge is a no nonsense guy. I mean, he's he's going to bench his ass if he's not playing well. Nobody's going to get special treatment, especially since he was not drafted during the Joe Judge era. You know, and how a guy like that responds to being benched, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. So I don't know that it would have made a huge difference anyway. 
I think his his destiny well, might have been getting cut anyway. Eventually. Yeah, but you know something though, this was a position of need, and yeah, it's still a position year. of need for this year. Right, but I mean, but I mean, I can't I can't worry about you know next year or the year after. I mean, you can't, you can't, but they can. Joe Judge can. I don't think Joe Judge goes into this year and is like, you know, you made this decision and now we need corners. It's like, do you know what I mean? Like. That that's just me, you know. Again, no, I mean, I that's me speculating. I don't think he's worrying about am I going to cut this guy in 2021 or 2022. I think it's this year was all about, you know, learning, especially without having the off season that we didn't have. It's like I need to see what the hand I was dealt and can I use these guys? Do they fit into what I want? What kind of men are they? All that stuff and, you know, cutting him so early to me. I don't know if it was a Gettleman thing or – again, I, I think this had more to do with ownership than anything. I, I think that you're probably right. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, it is what it is. The Giants do have a corner though. They signed one today. His name is Quincy Wilson. Former, Quincy Wilson. What's a Gator? Former New York Jet, former Indianapolis Coat, and former Florida Gator. Yes. Uh, correction. Once a Gator, always a Gator. Unless you're a piece of shit who gets thrown out, like uh, Janoris Jenkins or or Aaron Hernandez, who you know obviously gets thrown him. out. Who? I'm just saying you you can you can have your gatorness revoked by oh, nation, but you know someone like Janoris Jenkins or uh, uh, Cam Newton or you know any of these punks that get thrown out, they are no longer gators. But someone like Quincy Wilson, once you're a gator, you're always a gator. So. Okay. Um. You know. He was a guy I remember you telling me to look at because, you know, this is – he was drafted three years ago. So that predates the podcast, I think. Um, yeah, he uh, he graduated no, – he left a year early. His in brother – 2017, Mar- I think. Yeah, his brother Marco was recruited in that uh, recruiting class, but we thought they might play together, but – uh, Quincy declared a year early he left. Say so they never so, did. So he's a must champ guy. So, I mean, first of all, he's a defensive player. No, he's so not. Probably... No, he's not. No, no, no. He's a, uh, he was a McElwain guy. Mac... Oh, really? Yeah, that's right. Sorry, 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 sorry. How dare you? Um, okay, whatever. Um, uh, sorry, I, I always get him confused with Derrick Henry, the other must champ guy. Derrick um... Henry was, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> The Ooh, linebacker. If, for, if Will Muschamp was had his say, would be the best linebacker ever to play for the University of Florida, and not a Heisman Trophy winning running back, and a you know obviously one of the three best running backs in the league. But that's another story. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so uh, I, I remember watching him. I remember liking him for college. You know, I wasn't super thrilled about him leaving early. Um, I don't think you know he has a lot of splash plays. But they always kind of looked to me like he was actually beaten in coverage in, in a lot of them. You know, there's a reason why this man is, you know, here now and not drafted by us or, or traded for any assets. He was cut. He was traded to the Jets. Um, you know, also, there, there's a lot of other things. You know, he was hurt a lot as soon as he came into the NFL. Um, uh, he, he played for Chuck Pagano in Indianapolis, who was then fired. Um, he was benched. Uh, for suspicious reasons, you know, it was kind of murky. You know, I think I think it was something he he uh, Chuck Pagano said that he was could he was inactive because he didn't play special teams. But then, um, 
he later played special teams. <laughs> yeah, and also, weird. and also, you know, Quincy Wilson was asked why he wasn't playing, and he just said, "I don't know." Um, and you know, he, here he is, right? So he was traded to the Jets for I think. Yeah, but yes, I think we could also. Pick. You know, Wayne Gallman said the same thing. Like, I don't know why I'm not playing last year either. No, that's, that's fair. I mean, just... you know, it, that could be a coaching, you know, mishandling of a player too. Sure. So let's, it let's absolutely not, could. Let's not I mean, player here's the thing, right? Chuck Pagano is is not the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts anymore. And um, I mean, I'm not going to hold the Jets to the you know the the pantheon of head coaches in the league. <laughs> So, yeah, it absolutely could be a coaching thing. I mean, he's a he's a he's an attributes guy. He was a second round pick, right? He's he's six two, I think. He's mm-hmm. he's real tall for a corner. I mean, yeah. you could see that in college too. He's real fast. He's he, he's he's not real fast. He's he's fast for the position. He fits. You know, he's he's got all the tools. Um, you know, he was hurt a little bit. You know, maybe the coaching fit wasn't there. But nevertheless, this is a team that doesn't have a CB two on the roster right now. They don't. They have a nice set of slot corners with Logan Ryan and Darnay Holmes, you know, so that you have your nickel and dime right there. You know, you have Julian Love who kind of plays a little bit of safety and maybe a little nickel, a little dime. You have Xavier McKinney coming back, but you are rotating in Ryan Lewis who's hurt with Isaac Yadam who's not very good. Um, you know, and and Corey Ballantyne is gone. He he Corey Ballantyne played his way right off the roster. Right. Um, there's no reason not to take a flyer on this guy. He's a waiver. And if it doesn't work out, no spilled beans. Yeah, no, yeah, and, you know we like beans here. Yes, so, we do. Um, I feel pretty good about Quincy Wilson here. He could end up being. First of all, I feel great about the move. Brilliant move. There's no, there's no spilled beans. Um, I think that Quincy Wilson needed the right atmosphere. I think Indy was in a little bit of coaching turmoil. Maybe he didn't get along with him. You know, maybe he was just a punk then. He was new to the NFL and thought he knew his shit, and now he maybe doesn't. The Jets, the Jets suck. Um, they're their own problem. You know, they, they. <laughs> who knows who their GM, who their coach will be? You know, this time next year, who knows anything with that team? So I mean, also Greg Williams is a prick. So Ugh, yeah, I, I can't blame him for things not working out so well there. The Jets were trying to trade him. I mean, they obviously think he's worth something. So, I'm okay with Quincy. I mean, we need help anyway. So even if he comes in and he's just got to play a game and he's not great, I, I mean, what's the worst he could be, Corey Ballantyne? Well, I mean, it's in a good spot because with the bye week, you give him some time to kind of, you know, understand what they're trying to do on defense. He gets some practice reps, and with, you know, it's not like you're, it's not like you're signing him on a Monday and you know the following Sunday is going out there and just like cover this guy. So. He'll no, have, and I mean again, has, even yeah. if he's deaf because you don't want to use Isaac Yadam, that's you know that's still good. Depth is always this team has no depth. Getting depth is important. That's the biggest difference I think in these teams that are good from shitty is you know, and a guy gets hurt, there's no capable replacement for him. And team, this this league is too close, and these coaches are too smart, and they'll find it and exploit it really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I believe is everything from yesterday and today. I mean, that was a lot of shit that we just did. This is probably the longest episode we're going to have all year. I got one more thing to make this oh, episode Jesus even, even longer. <laughs> uh, something I was thinking about, you know, and we, we did a nice long ramble about, you know, where this team is right now and how do we feel of them record-wise. I was just kind of wondering, 
you know, with on the surface and in our kind of our analysis and the way we you know we talk about it all the time with this team, would you say this is a fair statement that the development of this team overall is ahead of the development of Daniel Jones at this moment from where we expected them to be, you know, a- after week 10 of the first year of, Dan- of um, the Joe Judge administration with the COVID offseason? I'll say yes, but it's a very specific reason why. Because um, I'm getting somewhere. So, okay. What's your, what's your... Well, my my reason is is because you know you're installing new offense, new defense, whatever. You know everything has to come together. I mean, the offense is. Cl- I mean, the run game is is starting to work. We're seeing it work. It's not great, but also we don't have our star running back. So the fact that it's working at all, um, you know that's. That's important. We don't have great receivers on the outside right now. We have some good ones. They're playing well. Um, Daniel Jones, we're more focused on than most anything, right? We're kind of worried about Andrew Thomas. He seems to be getting better to the point where he had a one penalty and I think maybe one pressure against a really good defensive line. That's great. Um, you know, Daniel Jones, we're kind of worried about turnovers and making the right decision and not forcing things. And, you know, he had a good game, but... This year, he's not been good. He's not been a good quarterback this year. The thing that really puts him behind what the rest of the team is doing is that I would have thought going into this... In fact, I did. I can't say would have. It's all recorded and archived. Um, I was thinking that the defense and Daniel Jones would kind of be on the same level of development. And that just hasn't been the case. This defense, Patrick Graham has them playing out of their minds. Really, way above anybody's expectations that I'm aware of. I don't think anyone, no insider, no fucking, nobody, I don't even think within the organization thought the defense would be playing as well as they're playing. So yes, I would say Daniel Jones is the furthest back of anyone. Now, I'm saying this with a caveat that A, this is not to say that Daniel Jones is a bust or he's slower in development than we expected. No. I'm just, I'm saying that just the team overall, it's, you know, there may be a perception that there's a little more sense of urgency to, for Daniel Jones to be playing better than he is because the team overall is playing better. Um, so this kind of leads to my two questions for you, Grump. Mm-hmm. The first one, if you replaced Daniel Jones with an average NFL quarterback in this league, you know, someone who's a quarterback of an 8-8 eight and eight team, where is this team right now? Assuming that there's a quarterback that's as much of a fit for Jason Garrett's yeah, offense of as he is, right? Of you know, course, absolutely. Because this yeah. is such a wild hypothetical. But he but, plays a quarterback who plays at the level of what an eight and eight quarterback would be, but is someone that has been handpicked. You know, and I'm going to say he's yeah. a rookie. I'm going to say he's like a, a a fifth year quarterback of an eight and eight team. I think that. I think that Giants fans have more hope for a team that isn't going very far anyway. I mean, I think they win those close games. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of those losses could have done without several things, but a turnover is one of them. And there were some stupid turnovers that cost the Giants games at the hands of Daniel Jones. Now, I mean, there were other issues as well. They could have moved on with that, but yeah, I think with a uh, 
I don't know. I'm well, I think I think I think we certainly win the Tampa game. Mm-hmm. Was it for I think we win. I think we win the the Philly game. I think we win the Dallas game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's three right there. So, but so, do you think overall this team is? I think you can make an argument that we win the Rams game. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's not that Daniel Jones played bad in any of those games. It's that he played. He played average at best and, you know, below average at worst. But also I think the game plan was tailored around his limitations at those times. Right. And you that, may, that hindered this team. And if you have this hypothetical quarterback, you, you wouldn't be limiting around that guy's shortcomings. You'd be, you know. Trying to win. Just right, trying right. to win, period. Okay. So I think you feel like I do. Like this team probably, you know. I think they have three, maybe four more wins. They have a much better record, but are they head and shoulders better than this team at Daniel Jones? Not head and shoulders, just better. Yeah. I mean, I think they they're winning the they're leading the division. It's still yeah, a bad division, absolutely. but yeah. But this, they, this is still just an okay team, right? Okay. My second hypothetical question, as I was thinking about this, is you know, and it's another. It's kind of a two part question. If you replace Daniel Jones with 2013 Eli Manning. Where is this team? Much better. Much. Um, it's 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 going back a lot for me to dig into my memory of 2013 Eli. But I, I, so before the beginning of the decline. The what I'm life. saying is, I, I think the height of his career is 2011, and 2013 is not far off of that. Yeah, However, I'm, not, those I'm, not were, talking, those, I'm not talking peak Eli. I'm not but, talking, but it's it's just after that. So I mean, yeah. he's still got it. He's this is not at the point where him throwing forty yards downfield is a stretch. No, you know no, what no. I mean, yeah, because um, Eli had a pretty slow, long decline yeah. to the end. But I'm saying right before that slow, long decline began, not at his peak, but when he's like you know starting the descendancy of it. You know, where is his team? With the division the way it is, with that Eli, it's totally different. I mean, I think there's a chance they win every single game. I mean, I'm I'm not kidding when I say this. I think there's a chance they win every single game. Um, you you look back at the schedule that Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh was playing like shit. They were right in this. I mean, if you have Eli at his 2013 level where he can, there's no tailoring the game plan to anything. You you go to the Eli strength. You're throwing downfield. You know what I mean. Um, I think remember, they can though, win that. He doesn't. He doesn't have the weapons in 2020 that he would have in 2013. I still know the weapons on this team. I mean, the fact that we weren't even trying to throw downfield in those games was really keying in for the Steelers' defense. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the line was good enough to hold them, hold him in the pocket for you know. Yeah, and and, for, and those are all the things I'm kind of factoring too. It's just like yeah, so when I say that I think that he wins all those games, none of them are blowouts really. But I certainly don't think that we shit the bed against the 49ers. Um, not that that's Daniel Jones' fault. I just think that they don't fall behind so quickly, so easily um, that it's more of a game. Maybe the players play a little bit better, you know, down the stretch. Whatever the Bears game. I mean, I think they could win. I mean, I think there's a potential that they didn't lose anything. Um, they well, probably they, they, because they, they, Eli... would not be, they would not be one of two undefeated teams. This no, year. no, no. I, I think that they would be in. They could have won all those games. I think that they probably lose two games, maybe three. Just so you put that whatever you want, you know. So I think we're like like a seven and three type of team with with sure Eli. Okay, 
Um, I think so. With this coaching staff and the way the offseason has made some of these teams, Pittsburgh's 9-0 now, but that week one game, they were rusty. Yeah, um, well, everybody was. Yeah. Sure, but I mean, that that was, in week one, that was a beatable team. And we would have been rusty too. Yeah, but I mean, still, week one, that was a much beatable team than they look right. I don't want to face Pittsburgh now. I'm glad that game's in the past. Oh, sure, sure. Um, Last question. Replace Daniel Jones with middle of the second year Eli Manning. I don't think you see a huge difference. You don't see a huge difference, yeah. Okay. Um, I I mean, I I think – I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to remember how often they took shots with him early on like that. And I I don't seem to – I mean, back then it was very leaning on Tiki Barber, kind of the same way I think this offense is designed to lean on – uh, Saquon Barkley. So, I mean, I don't think that there's a massive difference. He's got a stronger arm, um, Eli Manning did, uh, than Daniel Jones does. Eli Manning was very bad in his rookie year, and he was a little better in his sophomore. But there were, you know, not questions he was a bust, but like, when's he going to figure it out type of yeah. stuff. There was, there was a ticking clock for him, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, And even, even on, you know, that 2007 run, I mean, his personality was a big question going into the whole playoffs. I mean, everything. Um, so the point of this whole exercise is, you know, again, we we both kind of agree on all this stuff that, you know, we think this team is developing a little faster than Daniel Jones is developing. We kind of expected this rate of development from Daniel Jones. And, you know, unless you had a, you know, a quarterback a Hall of Fame quarterback and just past his, you know, the apex of his career, there wouldn't have been that much of a difference in what this team's record might have been. You know, there, you know, we, it, it's not, Daniel Jones is not holding this team back from being better than what its record could be. I think it's the whole point of this thing. So, you know, before you're ready to throw out Daniel Jones and say he's a bust and he sucks and, you know, everything. Keep in mind what this whole team is. It's it's improving, but still is a weaker team, and it's a quarterback that has to keep playing. And I said it last week: games twenty to forty are what he's really going to be evaluated on for the future. So, you know, so far as he's entered that week, that game twenty thing, he's doing a much better job. So, yeah, I think so. I think the, I think that he's developing along the course that. He should be. Yeah. All right. Now so, we're the longest podcast ever, probably. Yeah. So so we are entering the bye week. There will be no Thursday episode. Uh, we might do um, – sorry, no Friday episode. I always think about when we're recording. Um, there might be a Tuesday one maybe if we want to do a bye week. Yeah, we should do – we'll do a bye week one. I think we'll do one next next week for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then we'll go into our normal Friday morning pregame episode specifically focusing on the Bengals. But that bye week one is going to be about what happened on Sunday within the division, how it affects the Giants, and then assessing this year, um, assessing this rebuild, assessing Dave Gettleman, assessing Joe Judge and and Patrick Graham and Jason Garrett, and you know really looking at all those things that we kind of started talking about. Tonight, but we'll go into more details with examples and stuff on that episode. So that's yeah. fun shit, right? Isn't that cool? Hey, hey man, we got a bye week coming up. We have a 
We have Florida blowing out Vanderbilt this Saturday at noon. That'll be fun. Don't have to worry about you know worrying about the Giants on Sunday. We have New York City FC playoff game Saturday. We have enough to keep us busy for uh, for a little bit before, during the bye week. There's a reason for us to have a bye week episode. I mean, yeah. I think we've done it every year. But we could have skipped it the last few years. Yeah, said so you would have noticed anyway. So what's the difference? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. There, there, I mean, what happens in the division on Sunday is important. You know, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Giants win the division. So everything that happens from now on, yeah, and uh, we're for gonna, the next at least for the next three weeks is important. We're going to forget about the records. We're not going to care that we're two, we're three and seven, and and Philly's this record, and Washington's this record, and Dallas. We're going to be talking about this as if we are fighting for a playoff spot in the winning division. So, yeah. you know, that's the healthy way to do it. That's the optimistic way, and that's quite honestly the fun way. I mean, if you're going to be all miserable, rotten pricks worrying about the, you know, what our record is and it doesn't mean anything and it's a joke, then you know something. Go down to start walking now down the floor and get ready for pitchers and catchers to report or something. I don't know. I mean, we've been we've been sucky for a decade. Let's have something to kind of get excited about. Absolutely. So get excited. Follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump. I'm excited. Let's be excited together. You can be all part of that excitement circle jerk at uh, football <laughs> underscore grump. Have, have a good time, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Join the join the circle. Yes, um, uh, the cranky fan's not in the circle, but you can follow him too at the cranky fan on Twitter. <laughs> he talks about things outside the Giants as well, but um, still all sports related stuff, and especially his Florida Gator stuff. Gators yeah. always leave school and become something in the NFL. So you know something, and now I get really obnoxious because I can smell the SEC championship game. I can smell the playoff and. And we can last, smell you. The last thing all you people need is obnoxious, cranky fan when his teams are good. You know, I had a, I have a, a Stanley Cup under my belt. I have a, a American League championship under my belt. I have a, a football team that's a whisker, away, a whisker away from winning their division. I have a a, football, a college football team that's going to go to the SEC. I have a soccer team going to the playoffs. I'm gold, baby. Let's just pretend like the Knicks don't even exist. And away we go. <laughs> and as always, you can follow this podcast on the usual sites, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. Go there. Do us a favor. Write a nice review. Give us five stars. We work so very hard for it, and we are very thankful. With that, everyone, go, go Giants. Giants.